You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. I recently found a new food that I just love. It's called mofongo. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about it with Jose Melendez of Twisted Taino, a one-stop place for Puerto Rican food with influences from other Caribbean countries. This episode is sponsored by Perfectly Imperfect Produce. This will not surprise you, but when you do a food podcast and you immerse yourself in food and you like to cook, you sometimes gain a little more weight than you would like. Well, Perfectly Imperfect Produce has some easy, convenient solutions that keep me eating healthy and plant forward. Their Diced and Easy line offers quality produce that is delivered right to my house. It's already prepped and ready to use in a meal. If you follow my Instagram, you will see I'm using my weekly deliveries to make healthy meals quick. I've made super fast fajitas, morning smoothies, and even soups out of the pre-cut fruit and veggies I've received. If this sounds right for you, visit perfectlyimperfectproduce.com and check out the rescued produce boxes, the diced and easy cut fruits and vegetables, and the complete meal kits. Use my special code CLEFOODCAST to save 20% off your first order. Again, that's perfectlyimperfectproduce.com and you'll be making full meals with half the work. And I bet you'll find yourself eating healthier too. All right, back to today's episode. Let's take a trip to Puerto Rico by way of Parma. That's right. You can get a real taste of this beautiful island country at Twisted Taino a restaurant developed by Jose Melendez, his wife, and his brother. It's called Twisted because it's a mashup of island and Latino cuisines. We talk about how Jose got the idea to blend several cultural foods together in one restaurant and the origins of Taino foods. You'll love hearing about Jose's journey, the recipes, and we're definitely going to talk about mofongo. Hey, Jose, how is it going today? I'm doing great. You know, a little weather uh, down, but hey, we're doing great. (laughs) Well, it's not the beautiful weekend that we had. It's a little gray, but that's what we have at this time of year, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Well, we're inside your restaurant, Twisted Taino, and it's it feels kind of tropical. It's bright. The colors are here. You've got some plants and it's really reflective of the food that you serve. So let's let's just dive right in. Um, Twisted Taino is in Parma. This location has been open for about what? A little bit less than a year. We opened in July 2021. Parma, the hotbed of Taino cuisine. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, that's the beauty of Parma, actually. It's a place where I think people have all kinds of tastes. You've got the old world Polish, Ukrainian kind of thing. But I feel like it's also a community that's a great place to start a business like this. So how has the last year been for you? Actually, uh, we started in Ohio City, moved in here in July, and definitely has been very, very surprising to see that how people have reacted to our business in here has been very well accepted. We're doing really, really good compared to how we were doing in Ohio City prior to coming here. Uh, Definitely looking for expansion. Yes. uh, You just told me off air that you bought the rest of the building. So you are going to do a big expansion. Tell me about that. Yes. The building is going to be about 5,500 square feet. I mean, we're looking forward to have about 80 to 100 seat uh, a patio. And also, you know, it's going to have live music. You know, you're going to come in. You're going to feel like you're riding San Juan, Puerto Rico. And that's our 
you know, our vision, you know, for you to come in and transport yourself without having to take a plane, you know, through the food and through the ambience of the location. And let's talk about Ohio City for a minute, because the Ohio City Galley, when it opened, really had a very interesting vision, a good vision. I was there several times and then Vic took it over, Victor Mm -hmm. Searcy, and you were there um, after the original owners left, you stayed with Vic for a while, right? Correct. Why, what do you think happened there? Like, what, were people just not getting what the concept was? or? Um, I'm not sure. I actually competed because they actually they did an audition for chefs to come in, and they tasted the food, and they judged our, uh, whoever will come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was one of the people that went in the first time, and uh, I didn't get in. I told them, hey, you're in the middle of Little Puerto Rico. I mean, right. Detroit and West 25th, you have Clark Fulton around the corner. Yeah. You have the largest Hispanic population in Northeast Ohio in that area. And they didn't have anybody that had Spanish food. So whenever Vic approached me after Gali left, which I, I really don't know exactly what happened, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it was very clear that they needed somebody like what Twisted Tie, you know, will bring, you know, was offering at that time. Uh, that place got packed all the time. Mm. And the only reason I left was because this is more accessible. Um, unfortunately, you know, the rent was a little too high. Mm-hmm. We were in the middle of COVID. We had downtown across, you know, the bridge, which I was hoping that business will open. But at that time, they still were down. So it was just the right move, you know, at the, at the moment. Well, it makes perfect sense um, when you think about all of the adversity <laughs> that food businesses were facing in the last couple of years. I loved the idea of what that space was. I do think businesses like yourself still did get an interesting... I know you actually started and you've been cooking for a while. You have a very interesting origin story, I think, about cooking, and we're going to talk about that. But, you know, let's look at it for the positives. Some great businesses came together and got their footing. And then, like, now you're, you've got your own place. Yes, definitely. C- congratulations <laughs> for you. that. So I had never heard of the word Taino before I became aware of you and your restaurant, I was so intrigued by the the mashup of cultures under that name. So tell me a little bit about what interested you. It sounds like you lean into the Puerto Rican type of food, but there's also a number of other cultures represented. So talk a little bit about Taino. Taino actually is the name of the natives that populated the Caribbean. So Puerto Ricans actually, we embraced our Taino culture, you know. So Puerto Ricans are a combination of the Spaniards, the slaves, you know, Mm -hmm. the African, and also the Taino natives. A lot of our food, a lot of our our vocabulary, including the vocabulary used in here in the United States, comes from the Tainos. Like, for example, canoe is a word that was invented by the Tainos, canoa. Uh, They invented barbecue, as we're grilling, as we understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. actually, when the Spaniards came in, They used to put little logs, and uh, they used to grill their fish with an open fire on the bottom. So Mm. after that, Spanish brought the pork. Next, you know, we got modern barbecue. Yeah, I was going to say, it's so funny how earlier cult, like nothing's really new. Somebody did it a long time ago, and then someone bigger and stronger kind of made it their own and took it over. Yeah. But I think it's really cool right now in our society that we're 
openly discussing that and recognizing it. I think it's really important to look at those origins. And also Taino, I think also is a little bit of like, there's some Cuban in there, Jamaican, Dominican. They're very, they're different, but they also have enough similarities. So how do they come together in twisted Taino. Well, yeah, well, like, like I was saying, since they populated all them areas, definitely there's a little bit of influence of them in all these areas, including Colombia and Venezuela. So uh, my brother actually was, he's my business partner. He was the one that came up with the name Twisted Taino. I was like, well, my cuisine is more a modern take on traditional flavors from the Caribbean and Latin America. So it fit perfectly with the type of cuisine that I offer, which is mixing ingredients, not coming up with just one dish from Mexico or Colombia or Puerto Rico. It's actually finding ingredients that will come together, you know, and coming up with new dishes with a nice base on the Puerto Rican cuisine. Mm-hmm. And that's what I what I do right now. I have a little bit of the Cuban, I have a little bit of the uh, Jamaican, Colombian, you know, even Mexico because my wife is uh, is Mexican. I was reading about that. Your brother is Omar. Omar. And your wife is Christina. Christina. Right? Yes. Okay, so a real a really nice family business coming together. The hallmarks of Taino food, it it looks like there's a lot of root vegetables, a lot of starches, um, but also uh, peppers, garlic, and of course some seasonings. So talk a little bit about some of the core elements in the cuisine that you're cooking with daily. Well, we're, you know, the peppers and all that, you know, came later on because we're we love we love the season you know it has to be flavorful yes. you know so uh we cook a lot with juca uh, the the cassava root mm-hmm. you know we mm-hmm. cook a lot with the plantains you know mm-hmm. if you go to any latin uh country and there's no plantains you're like you're missing out on something you know so the rice the the beans you know all them things you know mofongo that you know i know you want to taste it you know yeah. and I'm, I love food history, you know. I do too. And I actually learned that Mofongo came about because when they were transporting the slaves to, you know, the Caribbean, uh, they used to give them mashed plantains and they used to call it, you know, uh, that's how fufu came in mm. from Africa. Mm-hmm. So they have different versions. They have mango in the Dominican Republic, but they boiled the, the plantain. Mm. Puerto Ricans, they decided to fry it. So we right. fried the plantains, you know. <laughs> we, we like the fried, the, the grease and all that stuff. So Plantains are so, and yucca, I assume, it's very versatile. I mean, yes. right? You can you can slice it and you can fry it and eat it like a chip. Yeah. You can mash it and pulverize it and use it as a base for all kinds of flavors, yes. which really is how you serve your mofongo, yes. right? Yes. Yes. We actually mash it. We put uh, olive oil. We put garlic. Uh, some put crackling. I put bacon, you know, so, and you just have that little uh it looks like a pasta dough but then you can you know use it with so many different you know items like meats or vegetable if you're vegan you don't have to put any of the meat products in mm. there you know you can just put some a nice uh, uh fajita mix on top of it you know it, it, it looks beautiful it tastes delicious yeah it actually is a very it is a very beautiful looking dish um but i have to say like when i started to see like oh you can mix cracklins in it yeah. i mean who doesn't want to mix cracklins in anything <laughs> i think that mafungo in a very basic sense could be made let's call it in a healthy way but a lot of times it's not. It's just like loaded up with all the good stuff. The Puerto Rican mofongo, you can't make it healthy. The other day, they, <laughs> I saw something, a healthy mofongo, and they boiled the plantains mm. instead of frying them. Oh. But then that will be mango. 
Oh, so, <laughs> okay, okay. That so there's doesn't sound as good. <laughs> but it's delicious as well. You know, they are different versions, but it's very delicious as well. But uh, uh, the the only thing about it is that now Puerto Rico and the modern after Hurricane Maria, what they're doing is actually doing mofongos with yuca or other roots instead of just the plantains. Oh, interesting. So there now there's a whole bunch of variety of different mofongos that you can actually eat and try, not just plantains. Well, and some people listening, including myself, um, might be familiar with a couple of other roots. For instance, if you've been to Hawaii, mm -hmm. most of us have had taro. Yes. Uh, taro root. And, um, you know, that alone is not particularly um, amazing, but you can dress it up and do all kinds of things with it. The other root that I indulge in regularly throughout the summer is um, ube. Okay. which is um, a flavor of ice cream at Mason's Creamery, bright purple. It's a starchy yeah. tuber. And, you know, you would never think that it could be turned into something sweet. So let me ask you this. Can you turn plantains and yucca? Is it yucca? Yucca. Yucca. Can you turn plantains and yucca into something sweet as well? You could, yeah. Uh, there's a very famous uh, ice cream in Puerto Rico um, uh, creamery where they make uh, ice cream out of everything, including rice and beans, plantains, mm. yucca, anything you can think of. But, yeah, definitely there's... Food is science. Mm -hmm. You can actually, if you really put your mind into it and start, you know, uh, working with it, I'm pretty sure you can come up with ice cream. You can come up with any type of dessert that you, I mean, that, that the plant is itself, right. when you, they're ripe. You know, you can actually make, you know, souffle or anything like that with them, too. Sure. Okay. I never really thought of them as being that versatile. The other thing that I didn't know until I did the research was, you know, how when you really think about how much food is connected to place and other places, and in a lot of cases, the way it arrived to us was because of slavery. Was mm -hmm. it, there's, there's a dark side to it. Correct. I'm very proud of my heritage, for mm -hmm. example, and uh, I I know, for example, my grandparents, you know, they used to cultivate everything. I mean, they will eat, and they still, a lot of people in, in Puerto Rico and all these countries, they, they, they just go to a backyard, and they can pick up anything from the ground, and they can make something beautiful at home. So I wanted to elevate that. I wanted to introduce it to, you know, my culture, to that community, even though you have your mom and pops, but I wanted to show something more. And I'm pretty sure that there's so much more that can be presented with the ingredients that, that we have to offer, earth ingredients, you know, or organic. And we'd love to see more of the things that, it, it, we call it here in the United States, they Americanize a lot of the stuff because, I mean, they want to be more hip and something that is easy delivered to the guests and the, and the clients. I do the same thing. If you look at my menu, there's four items that uh, everybody's familiar with. Cubano, right? The, the empanadas, mm -hmm. tacos, rice and beans. So if you look at my menu, you're like, I don't know what a mofongo is, but I know what a Cuban is. Sure. Or a taco or an empanada. So mm -hmm. then little by little, because they know and they taste, oh, man, this is delicious. I wonder how that's going to taste. Then they start going to that. So that's a way of introducing, you know, the guests into our food, you know. Yes. Uh, we all have a threshold for yes. our, our level of exploration. Correct. Yeah. And um, those things that you just described are, I guess, we're used to them in a very Americanized fashion. Like, you know, I'm not really sure outside of when I was in college that Taco Bell was a particularly great thing. You know, <laughs> it didn't it didn't really 
do justice to what those foods are. But then you go to La Plaza and then you yes. go, oh, okay, now I've really, now I understand there's a whole different type of flavor. You see that, I mean, I was probably 25 years old before I realized a taco didn't have to be ground meat. Right. You know? <laughs> and um, so that's one of the reasons why the CLE Foodcast is something that I enjoy it's a way for me to learn and ask questions of someone that's got a deep knowledge like yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a gateway for me to discover new flavors and yes. um, styles of cooking. And frankly, the world is really delicious. Yes, <laughs> and if I is. don't get to travel, I spent exactly one day in Puerto Rico at the end of a cruise. And it's a beautiful country. Uh, it was a bright, vibrant, gorgeous day. Um, I'm sure I ate some food that day. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but, you know, coming off a cruise ship where, you know, we went through the Caribbean, uh, I did taste a lot of things. I ate a lot of seafood forward things, but, you know, again, it's still largely Americanized yeah. and that's, we're missing out if we stop there, yes. I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and whenever you're exploring your culinary, you know, uh, or, or gastronomy in, in, in general, I, last time I went to Puerto Rico, I was looking, what's new? That's how I brought this. You oh, know, interesting. Twisted Taino is more, uh, after Hurricane Maria happened, then we had the earthquakes. A lot of people actually migrated to the United States just because they couldn't bear being there. I mean, a lot of people still without homes. Mm -hmm. So somebody is like, well, I would like to eat this, you know, and, and, and I can't because I'm not in Puerto Rico. So I started looking at what's going on new, how does it taste, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I can have my own version of it here in, in Twisted Taino. And people, I appreciate it. They're like, oh, man, you know, only if I could. Oh, wait a minute. There's Twisted Taino. <laughs> you know, let me go over there, you know. <laughs> Other than just the regular, you know, the rice with the pigeon peas or the panil or anything like that, that, you know, I can offer little stuff that can still, you know, target that nostalgia that they have, you know, and, and still I have people with tears on their eyes being like, Man, I mean, this reminds me of my grandma. Oh, that's so you beautiful. Because you have that deep down seasoning, like comfort food, you know, soul food, you know, that they're like, wow, you know, they really taste like my grandma. Oh, that's the ultimate compliment. Yes, yes. You just said a word, um, and I know it's a dish, and I'm not sure what it is, pernil? Pernil. Tell me, tell me what that is. That's the Puerto Rican style pork roast. Oh, so how do you, you serve that, right? We serve it in here. How do you how do you prepare that, and and what is the what is the meal on your menu? What's the offering? Well, we actually have it in many many different uh, items, including the Cuban. We also have our Hebrew bowl, which is more like a, I call it Hebrew because Hebrew is the name of the the country worker, you know. And when you came home, you had your little rice, the beans, the tostones and the pernil, you know, or, or pork, mostly used for uh, parties, you know, mm. the, that, that's the whole... Because uh, you don't make blood. a little bit of pernil. Yeah. Pernil. You make a big... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pork, uh, pork butt, you know. Oh, right, shoulder, okay. You know, and you roast it until you have that nice, crispy, crispy skin, and uh, it, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, when you prepare it nicely, uh, the way we prepare over here, uh, something that we do different is that we seasoning because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not gonna share the seasoning. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> but we actually take uh, a banana leaf and we wrap it in the banana leaf and oh. we put it on the oven. We do that very different from anybody else that does panilla there. I've seen that done in Hawaii, of course, yep. at a luau or something. But again, that's I feel like when you're good. Look, when you go to Hawaii for a luau, it, the show is for you. Like, it's yeah. not, it's, you know, I don't know how much authenticity is really there. But when I think of wrapping banana leaves, I do think 
again of of Hawaiian, you know, cooking the big pig. Yep. Okay. And they and they also do it in uh, Mexico for the cochinita pibil. Mm. They actually season it, they put it, and then they bury it. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, they bury it, and it's like an oven. You know, after four or five hours, take the dirt out, dig it out, and you have it all cooked. You need, you need to do that in your renovation. You need a big dirt pit where you I, can... I wonder if I'm going to be able to. It would be kind of cool, you know? It really would. I think you have a little too much cement to contend with yeah. for that. But that would be really cool. We'll be back with Jose Melendez of Twisted Taino after a brief sponsor break. I am proud to be an Ohio Wines Ambassador, and I take my job very seriously. As an Ohio Wines Ambassador, I want to tell you the easiest way to get information on Ohio's vines and wines, and that's findohiowines.com. Across the state, there are more than 350 wineries in five geographic wine-growing regions. That's a lot of ground to cover, but if you visit findohiowines.com, you will get everything you need for your next winery excursion close to home or across the state. In June, I'm staying overnight at Le Petit Chevalier in Criola, Ohio. It's a beautiful family-owned winery near the scenic cave country of Hocking Hills. They've got an Airbnb, grazing sheep, farm dogs, and of course, wine. I'll be sure to share it with you over on the CLE Foodcast Instagram. Get your planning started now at findohiowines.com and enjoy Ohio wines in every season. You married Christina and she is Mexican. So how have the two of you blended your food cultures in Twisted Taino? I'm learning every single day. You know, I, she has learned more from me in regards of having to learn the entire Puerto Rican gastronomy and basis because they don't use a lot of our ingredients. However, what I have done is that every, she's always showing me this is how we do things in Mexico. This is our seasonings. And every time I taste something new, I'm like, Oh, I got to put this in the menu. Oh. <laughs> so there's a lot of influence. A lot of the sauces that we have that day, right now we're in, in research to bottle some of them. Oh, fantastic. Like our uh, avocado uh, cilantro sauce. Ugh, she sounds amazing. actually made it for me one time for um, uh, Colombian empanadas. You know, so she had the Mexican-Colombian mix. And I was like, oh, this will go well with tostones, you know, so... Definitely, we start bringing the way we do the the pork. For example, I was talking about the pork rolls, mm-hmm. the banana leaf, mm-hmm. cochinita pibin. So you know, those are little things that we do that I combine with our seasoning, mm-hmm. but still doing their technique and you know, coming up with a oh, brand new uh, taste profile for for the dishes that we have. Do you do anything? Um different to your Cuban sandwich than one might have in uh, Cuba or in, let's say, Miami? Yes. Usually they use uh, mayo on it. I, I don't use mayo. I actually use our house garlic sauce, which in Puerto Rico is very known as mayo ketchup, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, before Heinz came up with their <laughs> mayo ketchup, right. we've been using it for about 100 years. So, uh, and uh I like to use more the American white cheese, uh, the white American cheese mm-hmm. instead of the Swiss, mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm only doing it uh, when I cook. I'm not thinking, uh, oh, I'm going to do this because it's going to be really good. I mean, it tastes good to me. It's well presented. Yet the Cuban is actually our number one sold item here. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I would imagine the tacos are pretty popular. Tell me about your tacos. So uh, we keep it very simple. We have a little bit of, uh, of everything on our menu. We have the pork tacos, which is also done with the Caribbean pork roast. We do a Creole chicken, which is uh, more like pool chicken with the seasonings that we do. Like uh, uh, the best comparable for everybody out there that have tasted the Puerto Rican uh, chicken stew. It has the flavor profile. Mm -hmm. We do carne asada. Mm. We use actually flank steak for those. Nice. we actually have the birria tacos in here, which they're so popular. They around. are so popular right now. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about, like, the origins of that. I, I had never had it before I went to Ola Tacos, and someone said, you've got to have the birria tacos. It's um, it's delicious, but also strange to me, the idea of dipping a taco in the consomme. <laughs> like, give me a little uh, background but, on that. Well, the, 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 the birria actually in Mexico is not even taco. Oh. It's actually a soup. So oh. that's why the consomme. Is so the consomme the birria? The, the birria is actually the meat. The way oh. you prepare it, it's like a braised beef. And uh, there has a lot of condiments like uh, cinnamon. You know, they put uh, the poblano peppers, you know, the guajillo peppers, and the, the chipotle, you know. So it has a little kick to it. It is. You know? It's complex, yeah. Um, similar to the barbacoa in Mexico, they also put it on the ground, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so... But that's the whole thing how the, the dipping came about because in Mexico you eat everything with tortillas. Mm. So you used to grab the tortilla and dunk it, you know. Now they took the meat, put it in tacos, and next you know we start adding other things like cheese. That's how the quesadilla tacos came in. Oh, right. So what we do different in here from anybody else that sells it in here in, in, in Cleveland is that we actually make it more like a quesadilla. We actually put cheese between the two tortillas, mm-hmm. and then we put more cheese and more and the birria, fold them. You know, they have the tortillas are kind of deep into the grease yes. that is created, you know. <laughs> yep. And it, it, it's something of another world, you know. And, and the consomme itself is still the same broth where it was cooked on. Oh. We actually strain it a little bit. That way it doesn't have all the impurities, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And that with, uh, just like in Mexico, simple is better. You know, the mm-hmm. chopped uh, onions and the cilantro. Yes. That's all you need. Yes. And it's it's just amazing. Anywhere I go, I'm like, I got to go have birria, you know. Yeah, is- that sounds pretty amazing. But the way you do yours sounds <laughs> really, really good. Did you grow up then in Puerto Rico? Yes. How long did you live there? I was there until I was 14. Okay. Moved here in 1992. Mm-hmm. Was uh, raised in the west side of Cleveland. Went to Lincoln West High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, been here ever, ever since. I think this is the, actually, 2022. I'll be 30 years in here in Cleveland. Wow. <laughs> and you get to go back to Puerto Rico periodically. I do. Okay. And is that for, do you see family or is it really just to keep in touch with the culture and the food? Both. Okay. Uh, my, if you go to Puerto Rico on sailing and your family find out and you don't stay at their house, believe me, you're in trouble. Uh, unfortunately, the last two times that I've been there have been for funerals. My, my dad passed right after mm-hmm. uh, the Hurricane Maria and then my grandfather. But uh, I always, you know, it, 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 you cherish your culture. You know, you look around and like, oh, my God, you know, look at all this that's going on, the food. You know, grandma, she can be 90 years old and she's still cooking for you, you know. Uh, last time, that now after I have my restaurant, 
it was actually very rewarding for me to be able to go into the kitchen with my grandma and be like, oh. hey, how do you do arepas? And she's teaching me how her recipe of arepas. And I'm like, okay, now I have something from my grandma. You know, this is great. You know, so. Uh, that's a beautiful memory. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. I know uh, that sometimes um, you talk about the fact that your path to here today, having your own place, has been full of challenges. Um, mm-hmm. What does food mean to you? How did you use food to create a career, uh, a passion, and a, like a life for yourself? Believe it or not, I went to school for chemical engineering. Wow. <laughs> CSE. <laughs> uh, I didn't complete it. You know, I, I fell in love in very young age. I got married very young. And after a very hard divorce, you know, I ended up uh, living in my car, living in basements, friends' mm-hmm. houses. Mm-hmm. And it was at a point in my life, a phase where I needed to have something for my kids in order to see them, you know. Mm-hmm. So my first gig that I did cooking was for Catan's Fashions, Pat Catan. Mm-hmm. She had a quinceanera expo. She goes like, hey, help me promote the event. And I was like, I'll help you. I don't want any money back. I just need you to let me cook. Oh, and so I presented cool. uh, lasagna. And after that, I got three weddings. And after that, it was downhill. I mean, I started like, oh, my God, wait a minute. You know, people actually like my food. Wait a minute. <laughs> so I started cooking more and more. Uh, then I met my wife. Okay. And we started doing quinceañeras. And it was just like a little snowball. You know, it just kept growing and growing and growing until it became a full business. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still do quinceañeras? I do. I do weddings. I do quinceañeras uh, under Melendez Catering. Mm-hmm. Um I've been doing it for about seven years, mm-hmm. and we have a full scale this summer, so mm. crazy with the restaurant, I know. I but. was going to say, I don't know how you're going to fit all that in, and for someone listening who does not know what a quinceanera is, that is a 15th birthday yes. celebration, which is in um, Latino culture, that is a birthday that's really important. Is that just for girls, or do young men have it, that as well? It's for girls, uh, very comparable to Swiss, uh, Swiss 16s. Oh, okay. You know, but in the Latino community, is very meaningful because it's that transition from a little girl to womanhood, mm-hmm. you know, and you do the whole shoe changing and Bible giving okay. and dan- that father-daughter dance. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of symbolism in it. Yes. It's very beautiful and yes. very, um, very elegant and elaborate yes. from what I've seen. It's practically a wedding. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to ask you about the desserts. Again, this, the the beauty of these desserts they're they're elaborate. They're very um, they're, there's a lot of fruit. They're um, the really really sweet things. And you have some of them on the menu. And I just wondered what is the connection to the frappes and some of the other things um, that uh, are is that is that a cultural type of dessert or is that just something fun that people come in for? It's something fun. I mean, I, st- I started seeing them in Puerto Rico. They've been uh, very popular for for a while now and. There, there's so many crazy ones happening now. They have the ice cream frappe type of thing where you, they're half and half. But ours, I just wanted to bring something. I've been doing it actually for about six years. Okay. Uh, I wanted to have something that, once again, will remind people, hey, you know, I want to have a good frappe, you know, and hey, we have them here now. Mm-hmm. Now, the fun part about it is putting all these cakes on top, you know, all the toppings, you know. Yeah, they're pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, 
a lot of people ask for frappe thinking they might get something similar to what McDonald's, you know, offer. Sure, but, sure. Like a real, ba- almost like an ice cream soda. Right. Yeah. So, but whenever they get ours, it's a dessert on a cup and they see all these, you know, cookies and, you know, cakes on the top and they're like, whoa, I got to take a picture. Especially after they just ate mofongo yeah. and a cubano and all kinds of stuff like that, you yep. know, like... I don't know how you even have room for that, but I'm, I'm sure like a 17-year-old boy totally has room for that. It sounds a little bit like how uh, bubble tea sort of exploded here. People, There's bubble tea, which is pretty basic. It's not a new thing. And then everybody just started to add all the crazy yes. toppings to it. I mean, it's fun. I don't know why we do that, but I have to tell you, when I, <laughs> when I get a Bloody Mary... I like all the things in the Bloody Mary. I like my Bloody Mary to be like a breakfast in the glass of Bloody Mary. So I'm not criticizing anybody (laughs) that wants the frappes with cake and cookies and umbrellas or whatever else is in them. I I will stick to my Bloody Marys with the shrimp and the bacon and the egg and the sandwich on top, all of the good things. (laughs) Well, for people that um, are unfamiliar with Taino food or food from the that region, when they come in here, what do you steer them to? Uh, if you had to pick, let's say, three items, I know it's hard because your menu is very extensive, but if you had to pick three items that it's the first time someone's here, they should try, and they're going to get a nice spectrum of what you do. I'll definitely do for go, for, first of all, for the bandeja criolla, which is uh, like a sampler platter. Oh. You know, mm-hmm. you get the pork chicharron, the fried chicken, You'll get two sides with it. So it could be tostones. Usually they go with tostones and yuca fries. Mm-hmm. But you can also do mofongo bites, ah. which I make them like in little balls. And then you fry them. And then you fry them. <laughs> Everything is fried, you know. Perfect whenever you're having a beer, especially a late night, you 100%. know. 100%. You're just munching on that. Oh, my God. Believe me. So that would be the first platter that I uh, would uh, definitely lead them to. Uh, if they're a big family, a bate. A bate is like a... It's a platter Mm -hmm. for four to six people. And you can have three meats. You can have two sides, including the rice in there, too. So about six people can eat out of that uh, tray that we offer. What a fun idea to come here with a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly, I know you're building a larger patio, but you do have a patio. You've got this great... space inside it smells amazing i know you're not even open yet but i can just smell <laughs> everything that's cooking to come and have a big platter like that and just really try all the things yes i love it i love it well jose this is such a fun place um if you want to check this out and i gotta tell you i know you're gonna want to so just just make plans go online to twisted You'll be able to look at the menu. You can, you're, you're, you're gonna, your mouth is going to salivate. You're going to get ready. <laughs> you're not going to be able to decide what you want. So just bring a bunch of people, and everybody should just get something different and be ready to try something new. I'm just I'm excited to try some mofongo, and I've been just so fun to talk to you. I always do research on my guests. I know you've had a little bit of uh, media over the last couple of years on your story and what you do, but to speak to someone who's really watched their dream evolve and mm-hmm. become this physical space that's really an embodiment of you and your culture and what you're trying to do, it's pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. thanks for having me today. 
And if you have a type of food that you'd like me to explore, send me a direct message through Instagram. That's going to be the easiest way to reach me. And uh, But I will have a website soon, so big, uh, big news there. And I will see about getting an interview so that we can explore that food together. Jose, thank you so much oh, for hosting you. me today at Twisted Taino in Parma. Have a great day. Thank you. The CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork in the Road Productions, and my sound engineer is Bill Connors. This episode is made possible with generous support from Chef Douglas Katz and the Katz Group of Restaurants, Zug, Chimmy, and Amba. I cannot wait until the opening of Amba. That's Doug's Indian Fusion Restaurant, and it should be opening in just a few weeks. Keep up with Doug and everything he's got going on over at ChefDouglasCats.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Until next week, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.